0: Welcome to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network The leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore I'm your host Reggie, aka your Chief Financial Coconut And every Tuesday, you will be spending more time with me and my friends As I take you through some of the leading ideas out there in the personal finance space That I find interesting and worthy of your time I've decided to name this segment, First Dips Hoping that you and I can get first dips on some of these leading ideas Hey Coconuts, recently the internet has gone crazy because of all these 7% savings account, right? In other words, the banks are offering you a few things, right? As long as you do a few things, credit your account, invest, save, buy insurance with them, blah, blah, blah. They're going to give you 7%. Is that true? What is happening here? Today, we're going to talk a little bit about it and share with you my thoughts around this whole phenomenon of high interest savings account. Welcome back. Good morning everyone I welcome you to another day With the Financial Coconut In our podcast we financial myths Discovering best financial practices And discussing financial strategies That fits our unique life You get it Ultimately empowering us Create a life we love While managing our finances Well I'm your host Reggie A.K.A. Yorchi Financial Coconut And today Today We're going to take some time To break down What is going on Bank work so good one Give you 7% My goodness of course, you think, think, you also know, right? You must focus on the first two words before the 7%. It's called up to. <laughs> okay, end of story, Balik vale Kampung, guys. Take care. <laughs> no, but the idea here, the idea here, as much as it is up to, people are also thinking, hey, where go so good one? Up to so high, you know? What is your stereotypical idea of uh, bank interest rates, right? Maybe when you think about savings account, right? Like bank savings account, it's so what? 0.05%? right? And, and <laughs> fixed deposit give you what? 0.5% maybe? So it's it's, a, it, it's it's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon today for banks to even dare to market to say up to 7 point something percent. Right, of course, not all the banks and I will not go to each and every bank today. Seedly has a decent article comparing all these things. I mean, Seedly does a lot of, these kind of comparison articles. So you can go and read you know, but to me, even when I read the article, I was like, wow, there's so much information. How do I process them? And that is where I come in, right? Today, I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts, how I look at these things, and then yeah, potentially give you some sort of a framework to think about what should you do or how can you go about using some of these savings accounts out there, right? Although they market themselves at very high interest, I mean, relatively, it's high interest. So up to 7.8%. That's the UOB one, right? I think OCBC was going at 7.65 or 7.5, right? So up to, right? Although it's up to, it is, it is still quite up, lah, right? So I think that's the that's the idea here. That's why a lot of people are interested. But at the same time, how do you go about thinking about these things, right? How do they work? What is going on? That's kind of where I wanna come in. So I will not go through the details. uh, Each bank, what bank, what bank. We're just going to read the articles. I think written format is easier for those things, right? But today, we're going to break down what is going on, what's happening and how to go about looking at this thing. So the backdrop is very simple today, right? The backdrop is you probably have some money in your robo-advisor. You may have bought some sort of insurance direct from the insurer uh, and you have probably some sort of brokerage out there that you own some shares, maybe buy some index funds, own some bonds, you know, and, and your money is all over the place, right? You may have put your money in some sort of a shopping account, a payment account because they give you more and uh, you have multiple credit cards out there, right? Because you're playing the mouse game, right? You learn from Aaron the mouse Lion and then you're playing this mouse game. Okay, this one, uh, I only buy this one, I only buy that one, right? So you are all over the place. Your money is all over the place you are using all sorts of providers. Is it always good? I'm not so sure, right? Because sometimes when you concentrate certain things together, you get better perks and all that jazz, right? But that is not to say it's definitely bad. As long as you kind of know what you're doing, you have a strategy, you have an idea, you are clear about it, okay, go for it by all means, right? The, the people that I'm a little bit more concerned is that, oh, yeah, I put a little bit lah. There, I also put a little bit lah, right? So then the... the- those are the people that are a little bit more concerned and I, I want to speak to, to you people that, like, hey, it's not always uh, diversify for diversify, okay? If you diversify into a bunch of mess, right? You are diversified mess, huh? you know? <laughs> it's quite problematic also. But this is a problem for ourselves to solve, right? Slowly, we find the best-in-class provider we go for the different products that work for us, what we need, right? Because a lot of financial guys, same with the telecom guys, always like to sell you package, right? Wi-Fi, SMS, everything. It's like, who still said SMS? I only received promo Kasi from SMS, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's, it's, what the hell is going on, right? So, so, you know, same with the telecom guys. A lot of the finance guys like to package, 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 and then sell you, right? And so with that, it's not always best in class. So as you learn more about it, as you learn more what you want, then you just go for the best in class product, most efficient, you know, um, best best for you lah in that sense. But this now becomes a problem for the banks, right? If you talk to our seniors, right? Maybe our parents' generation, 50s, 60s, you know, last time they got a queue up to talk to the broker, you know, right? Yeah, because your money is not big enough, the broker is not going to pick up the phone to do the transaction for you right? And and that's the reality. Because your money is not big enough, right? But today, you are just a click away, right? You don't mean you're a broker. broker, no, all no work already, no job, right? All do content now. Okay, fight with me. (laughs) But the idea here is, in the past, everybody used the bank for everything. You go in, you open your savings account, you open your unit trust, you uh, invest all sorts of stuff with them, you buy gold with them, insurance, everything is with the bank. But today, how many of you still really use the bank other than putting money in and pushing money out? (laughs) Because a lot of the banking services are not best in class anymore. So if you think about what is going on today with all this high interest savings account, right? What the banks are really trying to get you to do is to centralise all your finances back into the bank. Right, so in order to achieve some of these interest rates, right, whether it's it four percent, five percent, seven point eight percent, whatever interest that you know is quite appealing to to a lot of us looking at this thing, you have to achieve a few things, right. In other words, you've got to jump through a few hoops such that you get these interest rates, right? And different banks are different, but broadly, okay? Broadly, these are the few things that they expect you to do, right? Number one is to credit your salary to the bank account. Number two is to spend an X amount on a credit card issued by the same bank. Number three is to invest. Number four is to insure some of them will want you to have this saving element. In other words, they will measure your balance differential at the end of the month, right? So if let's say this month, you have 30000 in this bank account, the next month, if you got 31000 in this bank account, you meet the threshold that you have an increase in the money in the bank account, okay, then they will give you additional interest rates, right? So actually, it is a little bit like a game at this point in time, you need to do a few things before you achieve the interest rates, okay? That is the whole idea. And, and the idea is not to just to make you do a few things, you know. The idea is that once you put your money within the, the banking ecosystem and then you use all these cards, you use their products, you use their platform, you centralise your finances, right? So instead of you having 30000 here with UOB, another 20000 with OCBC, 100000 with DBS, you know, you put your money all different places, put here in a broker, some there, some there. The banks are trying to actually pull all your money, right? Your five hundred thousand, your three hundred thousand, into their bank account, right? And some of them even have loans. You know, they want you to put your mortgages and and all that things. Right? Essentially, all the banking service they're gonna make you jump through a few hoops to achieve the interest that that they are gonna give you, like as an incentive if you do all these things with them. So this is really the long and short of it, right? Not suddenly the bank feel like, wow, we're going to give you more interest. No, 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 <laughs> If you don't meet the requirements or anytime you fall below the requirements, you're not going to get those interests, right? But that being said, I'm not saying banks are evil, okay? I'm not saying corporations are evil. They're just doing what they need to They're incentivized to do that, right? Every day, they hire the best people, sit down at the back, think, how am I going to pull more money back into the bank, right? So, so this is this is an incentive structure that is embedded within it. They are not evil, but this is their interest, right? You need to recognise that their goal is to pull money back into the bank and a lot of Singaporeans, you have a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. They want to have all your money to be back into their ecosystem, okay? This is the reality and with that, they're going to give you some sort of incentive, some sort of uh, additional interest on top of how they usually give like plain old savings accounts, 0.05%. They want to give you more, So with that as a backdrop, I'm going to share with you some points to frame your thoughts, right? And give you some sort of basis to look at this thing and make the best decision for yourself. And the very first point is, when you look at this thing, the banks are really creating a pseudo fixed deposit. Okay, pseudo fixed deposit doesn't mean it's a fixed deposit. Ah, Don't perform me, don't cancel me. eh? The idea here is, why do I look at it as a pseudo fixed deposit? Because first thing is, how many of you still do fixed deposit? right? It's boring, right? <laughs> boring. No one cares, and you don't get a lot of money anymore. And and as you learn more and more about finances, you don't put them there anymore, right? Even the auntie on the street, I mean, I fix the no money, And you now inflation, don't Auntie on the street know all these things. You know that this product is problematic already. It means from a banking perspective, from the company's perspective, there's nobody picking up this thing. It's not interesting anymore. It's not providing any value to the client because there are many more like cash management solutions out there, which we can discuss in the next episode or the later episode. The idea here is fixed deposit is no longer sexy. So you cannot sell fixed deposit anymore. But fixed deposit is a great business for the bank, right? If you put an X amount with the bank, the bank pays you a relatively low interest rates. Then they loan the money out to the next person on top of the arbitrage and the leverage that they have. Uh, they do make very decent money from that. Right? But, but that was maybe uh, two decades ago. Right? Now a bit cha-cha. A very hard business to do. So what are the characteristics of a fixed deposit? You have to put an X amount with the bank for X period of time. Maybe let's say you put 20000 with the bank for like two years, five years, however long you want. And then you get paid a certain interest. And these interests are inherently not very sexy anymore, right? So <laughs> it's, it's not exciting. So I don't think a lot of people are doing that anymore. But this is the base idea, right? X amount for an X period of time for an X amount of interest rates, right? And during this period, you cannot touch the money. If you touch the money, you are disincentivized, right? You, you will not get the interest rates. You may get some penalty depending on which bank you work with. And with today's world where there are just a lot more financial solutions out there for you, better interest, lower fees, easier to execute, no need to log in, a lot all these other things, this is increasingly unsexy, right? Fixed deposit is increasingly unsexy. That's why the banks have come out with this. Uh, I will just call them high interest savings account, right? I will just collectively call them high interest savings account. No bank says this, but... When I say that, you know what I'm saying, okay? High interest savings account where in order to get this high interest, you have to jump through a few hoops, right? Credit your salary, insure, invest, blah, blah, blah. A few things which we've established in the start of the podcast. And different banks will require you to do different things. And why do I say that these high interest savings accounts are essentially pseudo fixed deposits, right? Because although, uh, although they don't require you to lock in, you can move money anytime, liquid is up to you, you can decide. But if you choose to put money here to achieve these high interest savings accounts, what you need to do is you need to hold the money that there. there are minimum requirements, right? Whether is it 20,000, 30,000, and if you really want to get your up to 7.8%, right, you have to go very healthily into the range of 100,000, right? So you must hold 100,000 cash within the bank account. Okay, this is the requirement. Minimum holding, you must you must have that. Then you can achieve your up to 7.8%. And to be exact, the UOB one or the OCBC one, the up to, right, essentially it's up to. That means your first 50, 60, 80,000, right, it's like maybe 3, 4%. When you hit the 80,000, the 90,000, 100,000 mark, right, which means within the 100,000 that you put in the bank account, only that top 20K, 30K, the last 20, 30K at the top gets that 7.8%. Right, so effectively, it's not 7.8%, but you're not up to lah. Right? You, you get what I'm saying, right? So, so I'm not saying they're evil, but just trying to give you clarity on, on this idea. And the idea here is in order for you to continue to get these interest rates on top of crediting your salary and do all those things, you must maintain the money in the bank account. right? And this is a requirement. Right, so to me, right, when you put the money in the bank account and you're not allocating that as capital into like some sort of a balanced portfolio, you're not investing them somewhere, you're not pushing them into another thing, you're, you're not doing any other thing, you're just putting your money there in the bank account to achieve these interest rates. In other words, it is a pseudo fixed deposit. You have to put your money there if you want to get this money, right? If you think about it. In other words, rather than putting money in the markets or you know, by balanced portfolio or topping up CPF, you're going to put this like 50, 60, 100,000 in the bank account and just put it there, right? So is, is that really what you want? Is that really what fits you? If, if it is, okay, great, go by all means. You know, but for you listening in, is this your goal? Is this what you need? Then that is the question mark out there, right? So so this is the basis of how I look at this thing, right? In other words, there is no lock-in, but there is a lock-in, Right? <laughs> that's not okay, you can move money anytime. But if you're going to play this game, you're going to use this strategy. You have to put the money there. Which brings me to point number two and that is that if you use this strategy, chances are you are not using best-in-class products anymore. We'll talk a little bit more afterward from our sponsor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. So what are best-in-class products today, right? Things like low-cost index funds, low-cost brokerage, some of the brokerage even free, macham free, right? And um, HDB loan. Yeah, yeah, I think today, (laughs) I think today people can agree with me that HDB loan is best-in-class, okay, if you are buying HDB, right? And what else? Term insurance, you know, or four miles on the dollar credit card, right? So all these things are best-in-class products today. I'm quite sure if I say this, nobody will challenge me that these are best-in-class products. Of course, it depends. Depends on your goals? What are you trying to do? What strategy works for you? All those are nuanced, yes. But we can safely say that these things are best in class today. Okay, today, uh, maybe five years later, you don't take this recording and say, hey, last time you said it's not back in class. I was like, brother, this five years ago. Uh, five years ago. So like I've established, right, in order to get this high interest savings account, you have to do a few things, right? Not just put money in the bank. You must achieve some things, right? Some people call them jump through a few hoops, right? Of course, uh, jumping through a few hoops doesn't mean it's bad. As long as you're incentivized to do it and it looks like it's a good deal for you, then okay, why not? It's not definitely bad, ah, uh? But you definitely have to jump through a few hoops, right? Of course, a few things will be like, um, you got a credit salary. Which credit your salary, I mean, everybody has to put their salary somewhere, right? So it's it's not difficult, right? Crediting your salary. The next thing is you got to spend, right? Usually, there's some sort of spending component. And in this spending component, they want you to use the same company's credit card. So let's say you're going to do the UOB thing, you got to use UOB credit card, right? So is it the best in class? I don't know. It's up to you, right? And then on top of that, usually there'll be some sort of an investment component and the insurance component, right? So They want you to use some sort of uh, unit trust product with them. They want you to buy insurance with them. Some of them even want you to take their home mortgage or take some sort of a loan from them. can be personal loan, car loan, house loan, you know, all sorts of things, right? So you get the idea, right? Few component, right? Credit salary, spend, invest, insure, and a loan, right? So usually these are the few things. Some banks will have this whole savings component, right? Which I've talked about in the opening. But these are the few things that they want you to do. And I can safely say, right, none of them have a unison best-in-class product. Like everything that put them is best in class no the cost of investing in low-cost index funds are so low. So low, right? (laughs) Like 0.03%, right? 0.03% is the average out there, right? Equity fund. If it's so low, why do you need a unit trust? Like, what are you doing in a unit trust? And studying unit trust actively managed or not, it becomes very complicated in itself, right? So so those things are complicated. Uh, Also, when it comes to insurance, like these days, term insurance, best-in-class product, let's say we go for term insurance right? or integrated shield plans, right? Which is on top right riding on your MediShield, right? Those things are best-in-class products. Integrated SHIELD plan, especially best-in-class product, right? Every insurance agent out there have to talk to you about Integrated SHIELD plan. If not, then they're not in your best interest. I can guarantee you that, right? So they have to talk to you about Integrated SHIELD plan if they are trying to talk, if they are thinking of your best interest, trying to give you the best-in-class product. Integrated SHIELD plan is riding on MediShield and it provides best coverage at this point in time, right? Best coverage, very simple. (laughs) Cheapest, most cover, right? The best. Right, so so that that is essentially where it is, right? And of course, mortgages, right? If you're using HDB, HDB loan now is the best, right? So, but if you choose to participate in this whole like high savings interest account, right, where you have to jump through a few hoops, then you have to get priced out of all these things. Of course, uh, I'm I'm speaking from the. You and I, the lay person on the street, you know, working class individual, if you're not part of the group, right? I mean, you got a lot of money sitting around. It's okay. It's okay. You can do whatever you want. And to be clear, I don't even think you'll be very interested in high, high interest savings account. The banker will give you other things, right? And, and I, I know the other things that the interesting bankers will provide you with, right? It's very interesting, right? But the, the idea here is that, right? If you have to jump through all these hopes to achieve this 78 or up to 7.8% interest rates, you have a likelihood that you're going to forgo all these other good products out there in the market today just so that you get this interest rate. I really want to ask you, is it worth it? Is it worth it, right? And, and that's for you to make a decision, for you to think a little bit about, right? For me, it's always about best-in-class product. And this thing, the thing about best in class, it will keep evolving. Right? Eventually, there'll be new things, there'll be new ideas, there'll be new products out there. Right? And, and these are things that we, we keep up with. right? You, you tune in every week to keep up with some of these things. If there are new things, we'll talk to you about it. right? So, best in class law. And, and this is not best in class. I don't like law. <laughs> that, that's kind of where I am, like, my position. Which brings me to the third point about this high interest savings account. And that will be go for the easy ones, right? In other words, there are so many hoops that you need to jump through. Three things I think are easier that you can play around with is credit your salary, save and spend. To me, these are the three things that you can potentially explore with some of these high-interest savings accounts. In other words, you're not so high-interest lah, right? If if you only do these three things, right, you don't get to get all the other higher-interest element, right? You got to invest, insure, get loan from them. Then you get like another 2-3% on top of it. Like, if you're only doing credit or salary, save and spend, maybe you get somewhere like a 2%, right? 2% is also not too bad, right? 2% on your savings account that you're just going to put your money there. It's waiting for something to be done. It's okay. Not too bad. So to me, forget the up to 7.8%. Anyway, it's up to like only the last little bit at the top, right? But we can go for the 2%. Like 2%, quite easy to hit one, right? Credit your salary, save and spend. Pretty much that's it, right? So the thing about crediting your salary is uh, you must check with the bank what are the requirements, okay? Because they're trying to automate this system. So they they have some sort of nomenclature on their back end, right? So they need the gyro to be indicated in a certain way, right? And you got to ask your HR, ask the bank, you know, talk to HR. Hello, Anna, uh, Sally, uh I want to ask you, uh, how are you crediting my salary? <laughs> so HR Sally comes out again, right? But gyro, my goodness, gyro. I think gyro give me a lot of headache. Uh, because a lot of these big institutions, they all use gyro. And they ask me for gyro form. I was like, brother, I started this company, right? No office, no company stamp. Don't even have banner, you know? Like, like we just register and run. Now you tell me gyro, other gyro, right? So anyway... <laughs> Anyway, I've learned. I've learned my ways, okay? Gyro is very talented. I must fill out the form. Sign, sign here, do that. Send over. Everybody sign. Oh my goodness. But anyway, okay, talk to HR Sally. Tell her that, ah, Sally, can you help me check uh, the gyro is done in a certain way? So that the bank knows that you're crediting it into the bank in a particular way, right? To meet the bank's requirement. Different banks may be slightly different. Okay. The next thing is about saving, right? So, depending on which bank, I know OCBC has a save component, which we have talked a little bit about it. In other words, this month you got 30,000, next month you got 31,000, you meet the threshold of, let's say, 500 or 1,000 increase in your balance month on month, you get additional 0.5%, something like that, right? Which is not a bad thing, right? I I think there's some incentive there for, for you to look at it, right? And the third one, of course, is the spend. The span one gets a bit iffy if you're doing the mouse game, right? Because the mouse game require you to like, oh, use this for, this cut for that thing, that cut for dining, that cut for airfare, that cut for anything. So it's like jumpo, right? The cuts are everywhere. You're doing everything because you're optimizing. But I don't think a lot of people are doing the mouse game. Okay. Okay. I, I'm wrong in the sense that I, there are a lot of people doing the mouse game. But they are not the everyone lah, right? So for everyone else, they're not doing the mouse game. I think it's okay lah, right? Use the credit card. Get a bit of cash back. Try to get the credit card that give you cash back. You know, do it simple. Get it for yourself. And then, yeah lah, With that, you, if you spend a minimum of 500 I think on average, when I look through the comparison, on average, about $500 spent on credit card a month, then it's Okay? But do check what is within this 500 credit card because some things are not included, right? Maybe your university fees, your insurance, your utilities depends on the credit card. I must check with them. Yeah, so to me, these are the few things that are simpler, easier ones you can explore. Get that little bit more interest rates. Great, good on you. right, but really need to jump through so many hoops to do the whole complex shenanigan like a summer on your finances? I don't know, right? Because like I said in point two, most of the products are not best in class. This bank will have something a little bit better. The other bank will have another thing a little bit better. You know, all, all that thing, right? So, this is the reality of how financial institutions do their product. Same with telecom, right? They give you a little bit more SMS. Then this one gives you a little bit less Wi-Fi. This one gives you like uh, five best friends that you can call unlimited. Remember M1 those days? <laughs> so, so you know, same. Companies, uh, you know, they all want to do these kind of things, right? So, the reality is most banks do not have all best-in-class products, right? So, something to really think about. With that, do something simpler, lah, huh? And so, yes, I'm going to sum up the three pointers on this kind of high-interest savings account. I reiterate, uh, high-interest savings account is I say one. It's just a collective term so that I don't need to keep repeating, you know, some complex idea, right? (laughs) High-interest savings account, not the bank say one. So, the three points around this high-interest savings account, number one is the banks are really creating a pseudo-fixed deposit. In order to achieve these interest rates, you have to put an X amount of money within the bank. Although it is not tied in, there's no lock-in period. But the moment you move out, you're actually losing the interest rate, right? So they are disincentivizing you from moving money out. And when you when that happens, you have to ask yourself like, is my money the most, you know, well-spent or the well-allocated putting money in the bank account only, right? And that is for you to decide. Number two is... If you do this, what happens is you're no longer using best-in-class products because very likely, uh, you have to use all the products of the bank and very unlikely that all the products within the bank are best-in-class, okay? And number three is go for the easy ones, right? Credit salary, save, spend. I think those are easy. But it gets you to somewhere like a 2% across generally, across the different uh, banks. You can check with your banks. But all the chim-chim ones like uh, insure, invest, home loan, mortgage, all those things, oh my goodness. It gets very complicated and like I said, best-in-class products. That is what I am a firm believer of. Okay, and if there was one thing that I hope that you can listen to, after you listen to this, is to check out episode 72, right? Hacking budgeting with multiple bank accounts. That is my strategy, okay? But of course, if you do that, then uh, you're not centralising, so the banks will not give you high interest rates, okay? With that, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is much more powerful and interesting when we'll shared, debate and discuss Join our community Telegram group. Very likely, we'll start a Reddit channel. So stay tuned for all of that, right? And sign up for our email newsletter. We're going to improve some of those things for all of you in this new year, right? Or, uh, most importantly, uh, I hope you have a great Chinese New Year. Like, Chinese New Year is coming around the corner, and for all of you, every one of you that are not Chinese you know just gonna take a break have a good holiday or go and crash Chinese people's new year lah go and see how they gossip but very interesting I tell you right (laughs) have fun have a great week and I will see you next week Okay, so this is the episode before CNY. Huh? I hope you find this episode useful. Maybe during CNY you can like gossip gossip with your friends, your cousins, your relatives, even hey, what you're doing uh, with your money. And then they'll be like, oh hey, Nisuto such insurance agent now. <laughs> So, but, but you know, you can just tell them you listen to this podcast lah, right? Help us spread the word. Great, well and good. Alright, next week's episode. Next week's episode is going to be special, right? So next week, I know all you Chinese people are just going to enjoy, have fun, you know, hang out with your friends. You've got no time to listen to the podcast, right? And next week, okay, next week, we're going to do an episode called Is It Halan, right? So we got Raj from Five Pillars Capital to come in to share with us like, hey, some of the best in class tools out there. You know, are they actually halan? Right, like index funds halal, you know, uh, her home loans halal, you know, are uh, like, it's like Bitcoin halal, right? So there, there are a few things. I got a great friend of mine on the show to support me through this episode for next week, right? So is it halal, right? Special episode for our Muslim friends that tune in every week with us. Um, and for all you Chinese people, you got holiday like, I don't think you listen to the podcast on that next week. But anyway, if you tune in, great, right? Take it as an opportunity to understand our Muslim friends, uh, people with different ideology. How do they manage their money, right? I think, I think what Raj, Raj is an extremely interesting guy. You should go and listen to this guy, right? Because his most iconic line in my head, right, is that Islamic finance is not about the religion. It's about being moral with your investments. And I'm like, wow, okay. Because to me, uh, religion and morals do tie up, but I like his line, right? In other words, there are certain things that we can learn, right? So if you want to tune in next week, great, right? Have a better understanding so that you can have a better interaction with your friends and colleagues, right? But specifically, next week is for Muslim friends, okay? See you all next week.